Welcome back to Geeks in a Pod. If you're joining us for the first time each week, we debate and discuss a topic as it pertains to movies, television, and all things media. My name is Derek Wong. With me today is... Oh, my name is first, Alex. Hi. <laughs> Hello, everybody. <laughs> Welcome back. Uh, Art? Hey, this is Jeff. On this week's episode, we are going to be diving into all things gaming. Of the time of this recording, we are about two months away from the launch of the next generation of video game consoles. Of course, I'm talking about Sony's release of the PS5 and Microsoft's release of the Xbox Series X. But gaming is not just consoles, as Alex would profess. Let's not overlook the big launch of NVIDIA's new uh, high-end GPU, or graphics processing unit. Uh, 3080, 3090. It's the NVIDIA 30 series, yeah. Yes. We'll dive into, you know, how the release of this graphics card is also going to be affecting gaming moving forward. Let's start with the consoles first. So, just a quick breakdown. Just a very general breakdown. So we're we're seeing what is called uh, they've always kind of termed the next gen, right? The next generation of consoles. Current generation is what PS4, Xbox One, uh, which were released what 2013, 2014 around that time, right? Well, PlayStation Four was released. Let's see, 2013. Oh, 2013. So. Is there a way to describe what is the biggest difference between, I guess, current gen and what is going to be the next gen with the PS5 and the Xbox Series X? Is it really just graphics? I think what it boils down to is what um, the main target audience has these days, and that's the advent of 4K television. I feel these days 4K TVs, they've gotten so so cheap. You always hear those, um, what? quote-unquote deals that you always see for these discount TV, uh, 4K TVs for like 100, 200 bucks that are like 50 inches large or something like that. So this next generation, I believe, is just targeting those people with uh, the updated uh, monitors. Because previously, when the PS4 and Xbox One launched, the highest resolution most people were playing on their TVs were with, uh, what, 1080p. With the highest uh, mix of 1080p and 720p. It wasn't until even just midway through this current generation that uh, Sony, Microsoft, they, they saw that, oh, there's a lot of people that want 4K because everyone has a 4K TV. And that's when we had that, you know, that mid-series refresh with the uh, PS4 Pro as well as the Xbox uh, One X, I believe, the the updated version for it. Uh, the pro and uh, the pro versions uh, for those current gens that supposedly can handle 4K, and it's been I, I don't I want to say almost half a generation with that, and now with this new current generation, they understand that I w- uh, a majority of their audience now they probably have a 4K television, so that's what these new consoles are actually targeting. I feel. And so that that's what next gen gaming is going to bring. Obviously, there's going to be graphical updates, uh, better lighting. Everybody's seen what computers can do these days in the movies we see, right? Graphics are they're improving at a rapid pace, and games are also following that path. So this 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 current generation has actually been one of the longest generations ever. Speaking uh, in terms of how long the console's been on market. You guys mentioned that it was, what, 
2013. And we're now seven years in where it's finally, oh, this is the next gen. But I think you're right because I, I think it was, if I'm remembering this correctly, I think between PS3 and PS4, it was about a five-year difference, I think, for generations. So if we are really on the seventh year for this generation, I think, yeah, this has definitely been a longer generation. But I think it's because of those releases of the Pro and the Xbox One X that has kind of pushed it, right? That, or has allowed us to kind of push a little bit further. So I want to talk a little bit. Is there a, like a major difference between the PS5 and the Xbox Series X? Not right now. I don't. I think they have roughly the same processing power and graphics processing as well. Uh, RAM-wise, they're about the same. Storage-wise, they're about the same. PS5s universally, I think, are lower amounts of base storage, but they haven't said anything about whether they'll have expandability, how, how expandable it'll be. But other than that, it, the biggest difference maker here right now is the Xbox Series S, because as Alex correctly pointed out, the next gen has pretty much been like hyped as selling for 4K gaming. But Xbox Series S is actually going against the grind there because Xbox S doesn't actually do native 4K. It can upscale to 4K, but it's actually supposed to be native 1440p. I think up to 120 FPS. Someone correct me if I'm wrong. Microsoft is aiming for a different market with Xbox Series S because it's underpriced. It's undercutting all the other systems. It's what, $299? Mm -hmm. It's pretty much marketing on the fact that People may have 4K TVs, but they don't need to do 4K gaming. I mean, like, what's the biggest game right now yeah, for everybody? It's Fortnite, right? You don't need to play Fortnite in 4K. It looks just fine in 1440p or even 1080p for most people. I don't know, man. If I was to play Fortnite, I'd want it in 4K. I have 4K. absolutely <laughs> no time to play Fortnite. But, I mean, no. I mean, Microsoft is doing something a little different there with the Xbox Series S is, is that they're actually – that's their that's their mass market system right there. 300 bucks right before Christmas, affordable, still next gen, can play all the latest games, all the launch titles. I think Microsoft has made it a point to say that all the games – for Series X and Series S will be, you know, just as playable with arguably slight and pretty emphasis on slight, slight uh, improvements in res in graphical fidelity and resolution for the Series X. So how does that work then? Do they design for the 4K and then it just gets downscaled? If you guys uh, check out the hardware specs, I'm sure um, a bunch of people, if you're already listening, you guys know some tiny grasp of uh, what the differences are. But the key difference is, at least when we're comparing the different series within the two consoles that uh, Microsoft is launching, the Xboxes, one is more targeting 4K in terms of graphical power. So in terms of uh, both CPU as well as in the GPU that's being used, they're slightly lower clocked. They, that means they run at a lower frequency when compared to the CPU and GPUs that they're running on the Series X. If we're just talking about pure theoretical specs, though, the numbers that the Xbox has, it theoretically can push out better image quality when compared to the PS5. And that's simply because of uh, how much available uh, bandwidth it has, um, how Microsoft's actually designed the console. It's it's basically a very unified, well, obviously all consoles to some degree are like a PC, 
but it's a very uniform uh, design in terms of how integrated the GPU is to the CPU. I guess my question is then, is this a sustainable console that's going to last you until the next generation? Well, obviously, the, this previous generation lasted almost, what, seven, almost 10 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, this particular one, I can see it lasting for quite a bit. Uh, well, I'm talking about the Series S specifically. I guess, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm specifically talking about the S, right? Because from what it sounds like, it, it isn't, unless you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, it doesn't sound that much more boosted than our current gen unless it is uh it's definitely boosted because of the updated graphics um that each of these consoles are going to be bringing uh just all across the board there are new technologies in gaming that has been brought around obviously the biggest one is ray tracing where there's just more realistic lighting patterns for gaming so graphics can look just that much more realistic i'm sure you guys remember uh, first seeing Jurassic Park and seeing the CGI there and now seeing how far CG has come since like things like Jurassic Park and whatnot. Even though Jurassic Park did still have some obvious... Practical effects? Yes, practical effects. I was going to say, man, Jurassic Park still looks great to me, though. <laughs> like, it's, it still does. Yeah, it's a well-done movie. But some, yeah. of, some of the effects that they did, obviously, it wasn't all practical effects. Yeah, some, some of the, the non yeah the CG effects don't hold up as well. Exactly. But you can definitely see the key differences that graphics have changed. And so that's why a bunch of uh, graphical artists, uh, current gamers, whatnot, will say is the next frontier. Uh, to try to get that realistic lighting uh, to be available in games. The biggest thing, obviously, is, uh, you know, when you hold a flashlight up to your hand or your fingers, right? Mm -hmm. You can sort of, the periphery of your fingertips uh, sort of becomes a little translucent. Current generations, they can't quite do that unless they specifically try to mimic that. But with ray tracing, that's all handled uh, through the GPU. Essentially, what what it's uh, it's trying to do, I would say, is it brings you into a more immersive world. Mm. And if anything, we can probably all agree on is that video games do try to immerse you into whatever world the developers are trying to make for you, you know? It brings you in. And so I think that that's where graphics are actually trying to go to. It's trying to bring you... Uh, into a more immersive world where it just doesn't take you out of it. So to Alex's point, a lot of games are trying to put their their money on ray tracing and they're doing a lot of different photos and a lot of different aspects of it, like Spider-Man, for instance. That's a big deal going forward. So I think that, yeah, Alex is completely right on that point. It's the future of gaming and we're seeing it right now with the next-gen games that haven't even come out yet. So, I mean, I have a different take on it, though, because I actually think that what's back to your question, Derek, is this sustainable and will it last the whole generation? Maybe not, but it's going to last for a good amount of time. And Microsoft is going to sell a crap ton of these consoles because, number one, it's affordable. Number two, it still brings on all the uh, most of the features that we are looking for, ray tracing and all that, just at a slightly lower resolution, which even if you have a 4K TV, I don't think most people are going to fully appreciate. 
like the exact little nitty gritty details as much. But one thing they will appreciate and that they're definitely targeting is up to 120 frames per second. Frame rate is probably one of the biggest differentiators to me when it comes to the next generation because used to be locked into something like 30 to 60 frames per second. And frames per second is basically just how smooth the video image is going to be. So the higher the frame rate, the smoother the video image is. Gamers are going to be seeing their games a lot smoother with some graphical upgrade, obviously for resolution and detail. Even if it's not 4K, I think they're going to appreciate it that much more. And it's coming at a, at a really low cost comparatively to all the other systems. No, I, I, I agree with that point for sure. Most people, um, even I'm sure some people uh, to this day recognize it, is the fact that we still don't have full 4K content on our favorite streaming platforms. Mm-hmm. Our Netflixes, our Amazon, uh, Apple TV, whatnot, uh, wherever you get your favorite videos or on-demand stuff, you can't get 4K consistently. And that boils down to, uh, obviously, a bandwidth issue and whatnot uh, all across uh, the world. But in terms of what people see, however, is a majority of the content people see, watch, view on YouTube and whatnot is actually just 1080p. Mm-hmm. There's actually very few 4K videos on YouTube. And even then, those videos, they're compressed to some degree. It's not even the same 4K image quality you would get from, say, watching something on blue a uh, 4K Blu-ray. And that, that still comes down to compression quality, bandwidth, all that kind of things. And basically, what I'm saying is, most people, if you're already okay with the graphical quality that you get from a 1080p, 720p image that's just been upscaled to your 4K TV, which is, I want to say, a majority of people already have, then why not go with a cheaper option that essentially mm-hmm. still gets you the next graphical things that weren't previously available in terms of, you know, those little effects that uh, weren't possible. You have to remember that at a time when the PS4 and the Xbox One came out, solid state drives weren't a thing or they weren't nearly as popular as before. Or affordable, right? Exactly. They weren't affordable. Uh, they weren't practically mainstream. But now these days, you'd be lucky if you can even find a laptop that has, you know, those standard platter drives. I mean, you'll, you'll still find them, but a majority of the options, at least for most mainstream options, you're going to find SSDs as the main option or NVMe drives. The biggest benefit of that uh, in terms of hardware is, uh, and I'm sure... Everyone that has installed a solid-state drive in their computer can attest to. It is freaking fast. Starting up a computer used to be so tedious. It would take anywhere from a minute to five minutes before your computer finally boots up, and then you could double-click and open up a folder, you know? Mm-hmm. It's been sped up immensely. We're talking about uh, startup times going from minutes to literally seconds. We're talking about being able to open up a single Word document that used to take almost like half a minute to fully open the program, open the file, to now opening it up. Oh, if it takes longer than 10 seconds, I get slightly annoyed. Yeah. The expectations and the the level of performance expectations that user end users have these days is 
fast, fast, fast. It needs that speed. And so that's what this next generation is also bringing. You know, it's, it's bringing that we are now designing content that's built for speed. Mm. And you guys have already seen it in your current games. You know, sometimes you're playing a game and then all of a sudden textures will pop in and out. Like you would see something that's uh, kind of blocky looking and then all of a sudden it becomes the most detailed picture you've ever seen, right? Mm-hmm. That's because of the available bandwidth. It takes time for the current generations of consoles to try to load up things that need to be loaded into memory ha- and have it pop up on your screen. So you're saying with the, this new generation, it's going to be much faster to do that? It is going to be much faster. In fact, you may not even see that if the developers are really talented in terms of it. So what mm-hmm. that brings up is the fact that oh, if developers no longer have to try to worry too much about these current tricks, essentially it would be adding like two or three extra freeway lanes to your current freeway, you know? Mm. That much more leeway that developers have to try and get uh, just such a prettier game. Now that we're like, I guess we're diving into this the world world of like PC and PC gaming, let's talk about the other kind of big thing, I guess, that has happened recently, very recently. NVIDIA has launched their new, what do you call it, 30? The 30 series. 30 series. So that's the 3080 and the 3090. So this is their new uh, GPUs, the graphics processing units. I mean, we've talked a little bit about this off air, but I think a lot of people are of the opinion, or some people are of the opinion, that this is not coincidental, right? That this is this was launched very close to the launch or even before the launch of a new generation of video game consoles. I'm of the camp that it's not coincidental. You know, the announcement that NVIDIA had, as well as the release time, literally was the same day that, you know, PS5 pre-orders, as well as the following week after uh, Xbox One, I mean, not Xbox One, Xbox Series uh, pre-orders came about. It's strange that the announcement would be made at such a time. And, and the way they the way they announced it was very similar, right? To even how uh, PS5 and X or sorry, Sony and Xbox have been doing their presentations lately, right? They they had like different people from all over the company, like talking about different segments and showing off what the the, the card could actually do. Like it was very much tailored, like a lot of the presentations we're seeing nowadays. So I, I also d- don't think that that was a coincidence in that regard. Oh, definitely not. And it's also not a coincidence that the next generation of gaming consoles, they're all using AMD technology. Mm-hmm. You yep. know, NVIDIA, NVIDIA is a competitor to AMD, and it just so happens that AMD uh, are going to be the ones that are powering the new, this next generation of consoles. That's before AMD's actually released its next generation uh, graphics cards, which are due at the end of the year as well. They're actually due uh, end of October next month, possibly, uh, yep. where it'll be showcasing RDNA 2. So that's what's in the... So so currently in PC, uh, NVIDIA's already released their next generation product. AMD, however, has not yet released their next generation product. However, their product technology that they'll be using for their next gen is already available in this PS5 and Xbox Series consoles. 
So is there any way to compare these two yet? Uh, unfortunately, no. Nobody knows what the differences, I mean, what the performances are going to be. It's only been recent that uh, the previous Ryzen platform, uh, their CP- AMD CPU has uh, more or less sort of caught up to Intel in terms of uh, available performance um, and buck for val- uh, bang for buck type of value. The graphics card has always been, NVIDIA has been the flagship in terms of for the PC industry. Mm-hmm. So everyone's actually really excited for RDNA 2. Uh, unfortunately, there's no real way to compare it, especially since uh, now that the initial hysteria, I guess hysteria, well, I still there, think there is a hysteria going on of uh, people really wanting NVIDIA's next generation uh, graphic uh, video cards. There's coming up that people are having issues with it, you know? Oh, um, really? Because uh, NVIDIA, as well as AMD, they partner up with different vendors and partners. And these different manufacturers, they try and build out video cards. And some of these, they're having issues with uh, how some of the schematics work, possibly with the types of capacitors that some manufacturers are opting to use. It's resulting in... Um, people crashing to the desktop or exiting out of games because the video cards for some reason or another is, isn't working. Um, there's a whole running issue right now. And so people are trying to figure out what's going on and whatnot. So that, that is a bit of a blemish on NVIDIA side of things. Back to your original question, Derek, though, this is a, this has been longstanding because AMD has traditionally been the, has been the card graphics card makers for the major, consoles ps4 and or the playstation and the xbox series so nvidia's release of their graphics card is trying to show them that hey not only are we the flagship pc maker we also make the best cards as well so this is this is and every year amd is trying to take an opportunity to try to surpass them on the pc space but so far they still own the um, console space and that's most people don't really think about that because you don't you just think you're getting a playstation 4 Mm -hmm. from the computer perspective this is uh pretty much uh posturing for them is there something that this nvidia card is offering that we aren't going to be getting with these next consoles or is it now i mean these are both kind of the new flagships right for amd and nvidia are they technically kind of supposed to be pretty similar in terms of feature parity they should be similar, yeah. Okay. It really boils down to performance between each other. And it, it is a real thing that Je- Jeff brought up. There seems to be a correlation between the uptick of the graphics being used in consoles to the actual, uh, their other market shares. If you didn't know, the Nintendo Switch, they actually use NVIDIA graphics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do. And... um because of how successful the switches have been, uh, Nvidia is actually upticked as a part of it, which huh. is so there. There is actual monetary reasons for why you would want to know that the graphics that you're pushing out is associated with these types of graphics. For instance, uh, during the stock market like rise for Nvidia. It wasn't coincidental that the Switch had announced that NVIDIA was being used inside their Switch systems. And look at how far NVIDIA's stock has risen now. Yeah, because they're a monster. (laughs) Compared to AMD, they're a monster. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, Yeah. even though AMD, I mean, not to... AMD went up uh, quite a bit, too. AMD went up a lot, too, on its own. 
But yeah. I mean, if you're comparing just like base numbers between the, I mean, now we're talking about stocks, <laughs> but compared to those two stocks, it's just like, it's, it's a pretty big difference. COVID times have really brought a huge line on different technologies and people working from home. I guess to a certain degree, it's only great for the end consumer because now there's just a larger market. And so they want to try to have the edge over each other. Competition's great, you know? Whether or not we can truly compare the performance between each other, not particularly. Not yet. However, I think the biggest thing is that these console makers, they've come out trying to explain what their vision of 4K gaming is. The Xbox, they've come out saying, oh, our 4K gaming is going to be at minimum 60 FPS. And then everything above that 60 frames per second range, it's going to be gravy for you. Which is absolutely insane to think because just only recently, you know, the the 4K gaming at 60 frames per second, that was like a pipe dream for most games these days. But with the new NVIDIA cards, that's definitely not the case anymore. You can do 4K gaming at 60 plus FPS. The fact that these console uh, makers, they're now promising, oh, not only do you get increased graphic resolution, but you also get it at an even better performance than previous gen. This step up in terms of tech being made available, it's great. It raises the bar. Is what it is. Yeah, I mean, like any technology, right? It's always just pushing the mins, right? Just so that, or, or else it's not really advancing, right? Or you don't, you know, you're never going to be moving backwards. You want to keep moving forwards, and so it's nice to see from what you guys are talking about. It does seem like they're kind of pushing each other in a sense, right? Both consoles, you know, are pushing PCs, PCs pushing consoles, but even the consoles themselves pushing each other. So, like you said, health competition is healthy, and it's. In the end, it's hopefully it's better for the consumer. Let's get a, away a little bit from the hardware side of things. And let's talk about a big news that potentially kind of affects maybe which one you're going to choose, which side you're going to choose, in a sense, if we're, we're talking like PS4 or PS, PS versus Xbox, even versus PC. So the big news that happened last week is that Microsoft acquired Bethesda. No, 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 no. Sorry, I don't mean to be technical, but they actually acquired ZeniMax. Oh, okay. And that's the parent company of Bethesda. So does ZeniMax own other things? They do. So is Bethesda only just the the big name that they is that the biggest like I guess sector of that of that parent company? They they also own id software. They have a couple of other series that they can put in, well, which so, is like Doom, yeah, Wolfenstein, uh, that kind of thing. Quake, yeah. Quake hasn't oh, okay. come out in a long time, but I would love to see that. Bethesda is most known for the Elder Scrolls and Fallout games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they're, uh, it's comprised of several different uh, studios. There's Arcane Studios, which has the Dishonored and Prey properties. Arthur's mentioned already id Software, which is Wolfenstein, Doom, Quake. Machine Games, which does the Wolfenstein series. Correct. Obviously, uh, Bethesda is a big name. But that's only just one of the companies that Microsoft acquired. Okay. Essentially, Microsoft acquired several multiple gaming studios as a result of buying out ZeniMax. And there are rumors that they're, they're not stopped. 
Now, what does this mean for, I mean, we always talk like this is, this is a, a term that's been used, you know, ever since kind of the inception of these two, or since these two have been battling it out, right? The, the console war, right? Or the, the exclusivity of one versus the other. Like, how does this affect that? Huge. In terms of speaking strictly consoles, yeah, I, I do agree with Jeff. So basically, the way consoles have worked for the last better part of la- ever since the last two generations, since like PS3 and even arguably PS2, was that Microsoft almost universally lags behind Sony when it comes to console exclusives. You know, it's not to say that Microsoft doesn't have good games or the Xbox, they couldn't secure good games for the Xbox. Sony has just done it better. And it's not just because Sony owns companies per se, even though they do have their own in-house game production companies or game production divisions. Sony has had long-term, long-standing relationships that have let them maintain huge tentpole franchises. By obtaining Bethesda and or Zenimax and by, by extension, like four major gaming studios on their own, um, not only does Microsoft stand a chance to develop more games in-house, but they can also block those games from actually going to the rival console, being the Sony PlayStation specifically. And that's the biggest thing moving forward, especially since we're moving toward a model of game distribution that's focused on exclusives, which has always been part of it, but also continuous revenue. For example, Xbox Game Pass. Now, if you want to play anything made by those four studios, you probably have to sign up through Xbox Game Pass. That gives them a recurring revenue model for exclusive games, uh, which can't be obtained. It's like for the for most of us, this is going to be the same idea of like how we see Netflix versus Amazon Prime. If you want to watch The Boys, for example, which is a very good show on Amazon Prime, you have to sign up for Amazon and you have to pay them uh, their monthly fee. On the other hand, if you want to watch The Watchmen, then you better pay up for HBO Max every month. Do you, okay, so you, do you see a world where they don't release this on a disc and they release it only on Xbox Game Pass? Absolutely. Oh, that's scary. I honestly think by the next generation it's going to happen. You actually have to take a look at how uh, Microsoft's been doing it. Their strategy for this next generation, I feel no longer trying to directly compete with uh, Sony. Instead, I think what Microsoft's trying to do and it's a reflection of their current CEO, Sadia Nadella, I think, mm-hmm. where he's a SaaS guy. And if you guys don't know, it's a, a services as a subscription type of model where uh, we provide you uh, something and you subscribe to it, you know? And so mm-hmm. I believe what this deal does is it's a reflection and an okay uh, by him that, that he sees the Xbox gaming division as possibly viable because there is a sustained, uh, there could be a sustainable revenue uh, as evidenced by the Xbox Game Pass coming out. It's honestly a really interesting stance that Microsoft's doing because $7.5 billion, that's not necessarily cheap per se, but it does mean Microsoft's actually now allocating things more to their game division. It used to be that uh, I believe the previous uh, heads of the Xbox division, there would be multiple executives that they'd have to report to before it would even reach the CEO. Mm -hmm. That's no longer the case for this generation moving forward. Uh, I believe Phil Schiller, he's, he's now directly reporting to Sadia. 
He's like he's like Kevin Feige of uh, Xbox. Well, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Man, if you wanna, if you wanna describe it, yeah, he's he's the guy that's uh, uniformly tried to um, create a cohesive vision of what this next generation Xbox is going to be, and his vision is actually oh, gamers everywhere. You know, we're extending out to not only the next generation of players of 4K gaming, but we're going to release this console for people that don't necessarily. Uh, need the 4K or can't do a 4K setup. But not only with that, with Xbox uh, Game Pass, you can also play it on your computer if you don't have an Xbox. Or on your phone. Right. Their streaming service. He's basically saying, hey, it's okay. You don't necessarily have to buy the Xbox from us, but we want you to be in the Xbox realm. Yes. We want you to be, we still want you to like give Xbox your money but not necessarily ha- – it doesn't have to be in the hardware version of that, right? Exactly. And truthfully, it's working because Xbox Game Pass right now I think is pretty much universally considered one of the better game gaming streaming gaming services right now compared to all the others. And they have all their faults. But Xbox yeah. Game Pass is probably the, the most well-developed, stable looking forward right now. Yeah. Even interviews that, that I've had about the Game Pass, how people say, oh – that's just going to cut in a revenue because then people are just going to subscribe to it or whatnot. That's actually not true. The way the Game Pass system is set up is that just like Netflix or whatnot, there's revolving titles. So uh, what Microsoft has actually seen, and according to their interviews, they've, they've actually seen that Xbox Game Pass subscribers, what they do is they try the games out, sort of like a fully interactive demo, and then depending on how much they enjoy the game, they actually go out and buy the game. So not only are they getting it, they're they're actually getting people buying additional software on top of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. And we and we I was gonna say we have a whole episode on this, right? We we talked about streaming video game services and we talked a little bit about how it did look like the Xbox Game Pass may be the future, right? Or maybe the most successful at the moment. And I think they are really banking on that, especially because, and I don't think PS or Sony doesn't have this kind of setup, but um, doesn't Xbox have a payment plan, right? Where you don't have to buy the console outright. You can buy the console with Xbox Game Pass in installments. So instead of paying, you know, $600 or $500 upright, you're just paying like $50 or like $30 a month. And, you know, eventually after two years of payments, you will pay off the console. But the stipulation is also you have to subscribe to Xbox Game Pass. Right. And that is smart. Very smart on their part. Somewhere on Twitter, someone's going to say, like, they're going to tweet, look at my brand new car and it's going to be an Xbox and it's going to be the Game Pass because that's basically how it's doing it, right? You're doing installment payments now. Basically. Just like happening. yeah, like I say, it's a, it's a reflection of what the current Microsoft is. They're they're a services a subscription service. Yeah, soft software as a service. Yeah, they have uh, their office. Uh, they have uh, their Azure server uh, servers. Everything's a subscription fee. Uh, where they're going with and the Xbox is simply just a reflection of what the current company is at. Which honestly, I'm really happy for because for the longest time. Uh, to a certain degree, uh, there's been developer stories, uh, 
people at, that work at Xbox uh, about working under Microsoft and how it, essentially it was seen as a, to a lesser degree, not a focus point of what keeps Microsoft profitable. And that seems to be changing to some degree, at least with this next generation. I'm only looking forward to it because the bigger the audience can get for gamers, the better it'll be for all gamers, you know? Yeah. And um, like you were saying, how it's a lot kind of like Netflix, where they kind of rotate in titles, rotate out titles, that kind of thing. Netflix, what they do is they use data analytics in order to try to figure out what you like and what people mostly like. And basically, they try to get a gauge of what's going to do well, what's popular, what's trending. And since it's all in-house data, they have the power to do that. It's not as clunky as it was in the past where you have to take inventory, you have to see which stores sold which game, then you have to kind of account for that. How much did it make domestically? How much did it make internationally, right? Now that it's all in-house, all that data is there. You can use data analytics to, to basically scour that data to farm it and to figure out what do you think is going to do well? What do our gamers like? And it's going to be in real time. And that really is the future. See, that's that brings... I mean, this is a whole other discussion. I was about to say. But <laughs> oh, they, yeah, I, it is. They, it brings this very... Because Netflix already does it, right? They, yes, they that's do. Where, that's where a lot of their original content is, is going, right? It's like, yes. well, you like to watch Great British Bake Off? We are just going to make a bunch of shows just like that to get you to want to keep our service. Like, this goes into a topic like, well, is it going to hurt the indie market, right? Where... Like Xbox has the power to like see what you like and then they'll just use the power of like Bethesda or the other companies that they bought to then make more and more of these games that they think that you like. Well, there's a reason why Nintendo has become essentially kind of the indie platform darling of last generation. They haven't executed yet uh, an extreme uh, recurring revenue get- gathering strategy or scheme however you want to say it like microsoft has and like honestly partially like playstation has moved towards so that's one thing the other thing is you know one of the frightening things at this point is because these are curated games based on your own behaviors which means that now microsoft has in-house analytics about your own personal behaviors which brings on a whole other narrative of conversations about like data privacy and all that whole jazz Scary, but we're allowing them into our homes. Yes, Skynet, <laughs> Skynet's telling you which games to play next. I, I feel like we haven't given much talk about um, what the launch titles are actually going to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, we could talk a little not, bit about the games. But fully commit into jumping off on that end. Uh, obviously, uh, when we say that there's actually multiple different versions, for the PS5, we're just talking about the difference of a disk drive. Yeah. So there's just want to a point that out there for people that are listening. Yeah, so there's a 4.99 version, which is basically like the bells and whistles. You'll get a disc drive, so you can actually put in a physical disc into this console for hundred dollars less. They, they're calling it the digital only version, right? So it's a little bit slimmer. The design definitely changes, which I actually think looks better without the disc drive. You know, you don't have a disc drive, so you don't buy physical media anymore. Everything you do is going to have to be downloaded or streamed on on your console. Uh, Xbox, on the other hand, their their two consoles are very different, and we've talked about that in length, right? The the Series X versus the Series S, 
uh, with the graphical changes and everything. But essentially, they're the same console. They 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 do look different, but they both still have, I believe, the disk drive and everything. Yeah, and, and speaking of the disk drives, uh, one of the biggest uh, key differentiators between the two is that Xbox has a strategy. Since they understand that digital only is probably the way to go, especially with Game Pass, downloading your games and whatnot, they have a system set up in place where you can hot swap hard drives to make it easier for you to expand moving forward. They've announced what it looks like. They, they've seen it in play. It's actually available. Uh, the big question mark with the PS5 is that Sony, or nobody knows what the specs are going to be for that. People are worried that expanding your storage on the PS5 may result in possible degraded performance when compared to, say, what the Xbox series can do. Right. Like you're saying they've thought of or Xbox has thought of it. Well, Xbox has thought about it if, as long as you use their proprietary expansion. Mm, yeah, of course. Which... Uh, which is about two hundred dollars, I think, is what they're selling. Was what they're selling it for? Correct, but with how large games are getting these days, and how ridiculously large uh, one of the what popular modern warfare is. Uh, yes, that, <laughs> yeah. So the game is stupid big. What is it? I will I bring eighty. It's like PC, eighty something. Almost, right? No, it's about two. Yeah. It's over two hundred gigs for the. Yeah, on PC, it's almost two hundred yeah. gigabytes alone. Right. Oh, geez. So it. your average have, your average Xbox can only have essentially somewhere in the realm of four games at one time. Exactly. Yeah. So so the current uh, this next gen, right? They're all starting sort of about one terabyte, right? Wow. Now imagine if you have a yeah. two hundred fifty gig game. Download it on your console. That that essentially means on the PlayStation it has eight hundred gigs roughly. That means you only get maybe one one to three games installed before you start running out of space. Yeah. Uh, so same thing for the Xbox. They're they're slightly bigger, one terabyte. That that still gets you about four or five games. Uh, the Series S is half that size, so that means you get like one or two games. If those games are like huge in terms of the installation so uh, expandable storage might just become a thing uh, moving forward especially since digital distribution especially when it comes to um, the consoles they have direct access we've already talked about analytics you know it's the same thing for their storefronts they they want you you, to buy from them you cuts out the middleman it's all it's all about the money by the end of the day Obviously, hopefully, there's more information about the PS5 uh, SSD slot or uh, whether or not the performance games will be uh, here, but we can only look so much in terms of the technical specs before, uh, you know, you just have to wait for reviews just to see whether or not it's there. And that just leads us into the games, you know. Um, do the games look good enough for each one? Um, do they? I think... The, um, I don't think I there's think, a. I have, to, I have to call out Capcom for the PS5 uh, Devil May Cry 5 game that they're releasing. They were releasing this game with, uh, I believe, some DLC and some updated graphical settings. But it's crazy because they. Um, so, Jeff, it's they, a remake, right? Yeah. It is. <laughs> it is, or is it, it is a reboot? A remake. Or is it and a they're reboot? They're releasing it as a net. No, here's the thing they're releasing it as a next gen title. But this is uh, obviously based off of content that was already released on the PC. Because Devil May Cry 5 released, I don't, God, I don't know how many years ago. 
And then only just uh, sort of recently, Devil May Cry 5 came out on PC. And so now they're just re repackaging that. This is like the next Skyrim, I swear. They're <laughs> repackaging it for the PS5. And not only that, Capcom is not going to be making that content available for the PC. Huh. Well, yeah, which is honestly, at that point, that just tells you it's a cash grab. Their, their claim is that, oh, you know, PCs, uh, blah, blah, blah. Not quite up to what we need for the performance or changes that we're making, which is utter nonsense because if you take a look at these specs, it honestly just looks like a PC at this point. Mm. I mean, mm-hmm. it's basically an adaptation consoles. is what it is. They're remaking Demon Souls for it too. Demon Souls has, got, has actually gotten that re, uh, that, not Demon Souls, uh, the, the original one, uh, Dark Souls. Dark Souls. The remake has actually... Yeah. There there was an actual legitimate remake for that recently. Uh, and so they're ju- just doing that same treatment for Demon's Souls, which just started. But the are, Devil are, May Cry 5 is such BS to me. <laughs> DMC 5, I urge you not to buy from oh, it because wow. that is such a scummy practice by Capcom. I'm, I'm sorry, but like uh, they've been doing it all this time with like their Street Fighter franchise, or they're going the way of Konami. I feel where they're taking their uh, gamers' most beloved franchises and turning it into as much of a cash cow as they can, and then it's just going to be your next pachinko machine over in Japan somewhere. Didn't you see what happened with uh, what's it called, Resident Evil? Like it's it's kind of the same thing too, right? Resident Evil started going back to its roots with the last game. Yeah, oh, I'm sorry, I was talking weird. about the movies. Oh, well, we're talking about video games. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I'm not talking about movies. I I know, I know. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I enjoy. I actually sort of enjoy the movie verse. So (laughs) you're the only one. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the only thing I have to say about the video games is that the only one I'm slightly interested in. I mean, not slightly. I'm, I'm actually very interested in is Marvel Spider-Man. You know, Miles Morales. I. love the first game and i'm not gonna get a ps5 just for that game but if i ever do pick a ps5 it'll definitely be one of the first games i pick up i mean if there's a developer that i can trust to try to squeeze out as great a performance for a launch day title i i trust insomniac to try to make spider-man miles morales to uh be a really pretty looking game if you guys haven't seen some of the effect uh on that release trailer Pretty good looking. Amazing, yeah. Uh, definitely looks like there's that slight polish from uh, th- the previous uh, Spider PS4 Spider-Man game. You know, there's there's this small edge in terms of polish and shine to it that sort of tells you, oh, this is a next-gen game. But it is also coming out on PS4, I believe. Yes. I don't know. Have they announced that? Actually, I, I don't know if it's I coming out on PS4. The question was: is if they're rele- if they if they're also including a copy of the original Spider-Man game on the PS5, which they confirmed. No, no, no. it's P- PS4. It is there. So they have announced that they are releasing Miles Morales on the PS4. Correct. Huh. So I don't remember. So seeing in that theory, book. I don't know how much of it was a PS5. Uh, graphical update in comparison to what the PS4 might show us. I don't think it looks substantially better to the point like I would say it's like a, I think this is the issue with this this generation. So far, the games haven't shown really shown us a real huge quantum leap in graphical in graphics. Straight up. Well, you, 
Well, you have to you have to remember that this generation's been almost here for ten years. Yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, the, it should have been updated again when the pro versions of all the uh, PS4 and the Xbox did it, but they didn't release a new console. They decided, oh, we're just gonna slightly tweak it so that it'll run 4K and call it a game. Well, I guess to Jeff's point, I think what he's trying to say, or I don't know if this is what he's trying to say, but I, I remember when we went from PS3 to PS4 and the Xbox, Xbox One, like it, it looked amazing. It looked like there was this jump in graphics. But when I've watched some of these, you know, these presentations or recently of the launch titles, that doesn't look that much better. Maybe my, maybe it's just that's where graphics are and it's just hard to tell. But I don't get that. I urge you guys to look up the PS3 launch title games and take a look at it. PS3 they, or PS4? PS3 or 4, you know, uh-huh. or any of the previous generations. If you take a look at it, the actual gameplay, not not the, you know, developer, let me release it type of thing. The, the ones where, you know, your favorite YouTuber or Twitch streamer is actually playing it on. You'll, you'll see that there there's a change between how those graphics looked when they first initially launched to how they look right now. So you're saying even though, like, the console hasn't get, changed it, it. It always gets better. It always it gets will, a lot better. Get better. Launch titles aren't really, aren't launch, really yeah, worth launch titles Yeah, it's hard to judge great, it based on that. Great no, but I guess what I'm saying is that I remember even the launch titles for PS4, or, like, watching the first couple games coming out for PS4 or Xbox, they look like a lot better than the old Here, generation. Here's the thing, though. Let's take a look at all these launch titles that are actually coming out. Do any of them outside of the Spider-Man one jump out to you in terms of, oh, this is what I can sort of expect it to be. Oh, this is next gen. Tetris effect. Devil because May Cry because, 5. Because, Devil May Cry 5. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Because, because look, here, let, me, let me just quickly go over it. Like, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, right? That's going to be released on the PS4 and Xbox One. It's been in development for a bit. It's not just going to be a next-gen title only, you know? Then there are the other ones like Astro's Playroom or things like that. Nobody knows what it's actually going to end up looking like. Uh, Sackboy, A Big Adventure. I'm actually kind of interested in that, but I don't know if I would call the little big planet franchise uh, <laughs> huge, a graphical huge. powerhouse in terms of... Uh, what you expect the console can bring. You know? Those um, threads, though. Those threads. <laughs> so if I was to make a comment about what these launch titles mean, it means that I feel it's a bit weak. To be I, I feel like of... that's the story every launch. I feel like I look back at like, the PS4 launches titles. And I was like, oh, man. I would not have been excited about yeah, these exactly. either. Exactly. So, so, yeah. so, the, so this first round, this holiday season... Don't be in such a rush. I would say don't be in such a rush just to get the console launch. Uh, wait wait until there's a couple more games. Left. I was going to say, are you going to even be able to get one? <laughs> because yeah. these both sold out within like seconds. And there is no guarantee they'll be back before the holidays. I, I've heard rumors that there might be a third wave of PS5 pre-orders coming out. So people, if you're listening and we get this podcast out on time... <laughs> I, I, I hope that your F5 button is uh, working well on your computer. <laughs> you sure as heck should not be using your phone to try a pre-order. 
I can't wait to get Tetris Effect, though. <laughs> Those blocks are so real. <laughs> yeah, see, exactly. <laughs> the colors, dude. The colors. And the other thing, the, the launch titles on the Xbox Series X, a majority of them might already be available when it comes to the Game Pass, so you never know. Yeah, I mean, they say uh, Gears Tactics is supposed to be straight onto ga- Game Pass, right? Once Exactly. Yeah, so like that's another cool thing about Game Pass is that it used to be you'd have to wait a couple months, right, before it actually showed up on a streaming service, right? Versus like Xbox now has the confidence, like we've been talking about, to just bypass the the disc and, you know, put it on their Xbox Game Pass and you can just play, you know, Gears Tactic, you know, first day without buying the actual game, in a sense. Yeah, this this next generation of gaming, I'm actually very excited about. Yeah. Personally, for me, I, I'm probably going to go PS5 and computer, simply because of Game Pass. Mm-hmm. You know, that's yeah, because technically you could play all the Game Pass stuff on a computer. Exactly. So you essentially I play this next gen all on all on with just having those two consoles, my PC and my PS5. But we'll see. You know, uh, obviously, there's a lot of speculation. Um, this is a huge deal. So Sony and Microsoft are keeping their performance as well as what you can really expect uh, close to their chest uh, up until the launch. Um, personally, for me, if you're not if you're not in such a hurry or you need to know, just wait. You know. Wait until there's actually that game that actually pushes the console in terms of sales. These, I, I can't say that these are huge what console pushers. Maybe the Spider-Man, maybe, I want to say Yakuza, but we know that that franchise has been, it's either hit or miss for a lot of people, so... Wait for the Breath of the Wild mm-hmm. for this next series. You know, wait, wait for the Horizon Zero Dawn. Although that wait. might be a while. <laughs> That's going to be. Wait yeah. for the next Halo that was supposed to be a launch title, but isn't anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Those things. Wait for it. You know, it might might be worth it just so you can figure out which uh, which console you want to be in. Come on, you guys don't want to wait for Dirt Five. Come on, <laughs> Dear Tay Five. I mean, I guess for PS Five would be. For some Gran Turismo, right? Right. Yeah. You know what the crazy thing is, though? With the Xbox Series S being a cheaper console, if you want to play those exclusive, you have a slightly cheaper route to play Xbox exclusive. At high frame rates. Yeah, but it's it's, it's there. That's the option. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting this holiday season because the Series S at the two ninety nine price point that basically puts you in the realm of possibly competing with Nintendo. Yep. I mean, that, when we were talking about it, that's all I could think about. Like, the lower price point, the fact that it's, you know, this entry into gaming that's really, in a sense, kind of targeting Nintendo's market, right? Yeah, it is. I, I really feel Xbox is targeting, like, every market Everybody. that Everybody, yep. Yeah. Without giving up too much. Yeah, because it does seem like, I mean, the current gen, it does seem like, you know, PS5 and Xbox, or PS4 and Xbox here, Xbox One. Like, you know, this is so confusing. Uh, Xbox One, we're very much in the same race of, like, graphics, pushing graphics, where uh, Nintendo kind of stepped back and was like, okay, well, we'll be the family-friendly console. We'll be the one that doesn't push graphics, but pushes the party games and all that kind of stuff. And now I think Xbox is realizing, well, we can... We can have our cake and eat it too. Let's let's try to get it all. Well, Nintendo's always been the party friendly or the family friendly, but the, more importantly, Nintendo's been the, always strived to be the most accessible 
of the gaming companies. So I don't see them making any huge quantum leaps in terms of their gaming. The real question is, is what they'll think of next in terms of like what you can do with their console. All I can say is, man, dang it, $70 games is not... That's expensive. Holy freaking crap. That's why you get the Game Pass. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? For the price of one game, I'm okay with not being able to play games all the time. For the price of one game, you can play games for seven months. Yeah. Those tactics. Those gears those tactics. Gears, those gears tactics. Okay. There you go. See? Thank you. <laughs> Terrible. All right. Well, I think that will conclude this week's episode. Uh, Alex, where can people find you? Uh, you can go ahead and find me on uh, Twitter at A-H-L-E-X-X. Art? You can find me on Instagram at Mixed Bag of Nuts. Jeff? You can find me on Instagram at the.other.jwing. And you can find me, Derek, at the wrong day. Dayk spelled D-A-Y-I-K. And that's for Instagram and Twitter. And you can also find me on my other podcast, The Strange Harpers Podcast. That podcast is more geared towards uh, like movie reviews, TV reviews, and all that kind of stuff. So a little bit more in-depth uh, in that in those genres. Uh, but if you like this podcast, the easiest way to support our podcast is to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or any of the other popular podcast apps. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please do us a favor and give us a great star rating. It really helps to get our podcast out to so many more people. If you have any questions, comments, or thoughts on anything that we've said, you can email us at geeksinthepodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys next week. Peace out.